Welcome to the Cell Culture Dish podcast, Job Outlook for the Biomanufacturing Industry. I'm Brandi Sargent, editor of the Cell Culture Dish. Joining me today is Hilary Kaplan, Director, Bioprocess CMC Development and Operations at Klein Hirsch. Hilary joined Klein Hirsch as an intern in 2008, assisting the discovery team with research and various projects. She returned as a full time recruiter in 2011 and has since helped grow the bioprocess development and manufacturing practice. Prior, Hillary attended the Fox School of Business at Temple University in Philadelphia, where she earned a BBA in marketing. Hillary partners with organizations ranging from VC-backed startups and mid-sized biotechs to large multinational biopharma companies in helping to identify individuals working exclusively in biologics and large molecule development. These scientific and operational leaders tend to be formally trained in chemical or biomolecular engineering and are tasked with bridging the gap between R&D and development and writing products for manufacturing and launch. Hillary, could you please describe your background for us? Sure. So Klein Hirsch is a company of 25 to 30 subject matter experts, and we've set ourselves up really to mirror a traditional biotech or pharma company. So um, while we don't come from technical backgrounds ourselves, we've invested an average of eight plus years of tenure here in specialized recruiting where we've gotten to know the ins and outs of each practice area. Personally, since 2011, I've focused on helping clients build successful bioprocess development and manufacturing teams. But for example, I have another colleague here that specializes in regulatory, another one that does physician recruitment, so on and so forth. I think that's a really interesting approach that your company takes, and I'm really interested uh, with your time in the industry. How have you seen the industry change, particularly in the last few years uh, with regards to biotechnology? We've definitely noticed uh, a handful of trends kind of coming and going. Um, Towards the end of 2014, we noticed some increased activity within the cell-based space. And in the past two years, we've seen that continue. Uh, Notice the significant uptick in emerging technologies. Last year in 2016, over 50% of our business and the placements that we completed were specifically within companies focusing on stem cells, regenerative medicines, CAR-T, T-cells, gene therapy, microbiome, um, and where the remainder is still in traditional products, including monoclonal antibodies, recombinant proteins, vaccines, and biosimilars. Um, So there's definitely a focus on those emerging technologies. Um, That being said, there's no reason to believe that this trend won't continue, of course, contingent upon the uh, upcoming clinical trial results and FDA guidelines. Wow, that's quite significant. That actually is more than I I would have guessed Um, uh, and, and really, really interesting. The other area I think is interesting that I I wanted to ask you about is the mergers and acquisitions piece. There's been, you know, significant mergers and acquisitions within this industry. And how does that, how has that affected the job market for those in in biotechnology? Yeah, the mergers and acquisitions are are definitely shaping uh, a new direction here. I recently saw an infographic that summarized major M&A activity within the pharma industry over the last two decades. So that time frame was 1995 to 2015. It shows that 60 companies 
over 20 years have essentially been consolidated into 10. So that knowledge coupled with focused company spinoffs, uh, for example, Abbott and AbbVie, Baxter, Baxalta, Biogen, BioVerative, is certainly changing that landscape too. Um, I think as long as the investments in R&D continue, there will be opportunities available. Um, it's just a matter of being able to assess the information on hand, uh, evaluating the full picture and making an informed decision about um, what the best decision is moving forward. So there's really no way to predict which major company is going to go after the next big thing. Um, but my advice is really to take a look at the, the landscape broadly. Right. And that's all good news. As long as, as money continues to go into R&D, then it's, it's, it's good regardless of kind of who's doing it or, or who's acquired who kind of a, a, an approach. The other question I had, and I think this is something that everyone has experienced, um, if you get contacted by a recruiter, what does that mean and what does that typically involve? And I'll give an example. A lot of people are happy in their current job and they're not really looking for new opportunities. And I think a lot of people wonder if they're in that situation, should I still talk to the recruiter or how should they handle it? Absolutely. And I think you're right. A lot of people have that, you know, same feeling. The reality is that the best time to connect with a recruiter is when you are currently employed, pretty happy in your role and, and what you're doing and, and not actively looking. Um, a valued resource or, or someone that you trust as a recruiter can really be your eyes and ears on the market so that if something should change in this volatile industry, um, it can really go to bat for you. For example, uh, the first time that we speak, I like to capture insight into your background, current responsibilities, what's going well, maybe what could be better, and to really understand your motivations personally, professionally, financially. Um, so this kind of precursor call is important as a relationship builder so that the next time we speak, whether that's three months or a year, I can provide that valuable market information um, network around relevant opportunities and perhaps get involved in, in current active positions. Something to also consider is that our relationship is important. So anything that we're talking about is definitely confidential. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, in, in a way, like you said, you, you can be sort of eyes and ears on the ground. And even though someone may be happy in their current position, um, there, you know, things may change, maybe a move of a spouse or you want to move back to family or whatever that case may be that may be coming down the road that that would change that. And then having a relationship with the recruiter helps to uh, make that uh, change a little bit smoother when, if, you, if something comes up and you decide you do want to make a change. Um, the other question that kind of this leads into is when would you recommend someone seek out a recruiter? So this would be more of a situation um, where you were unhappy in your position. Um, and then I, I think it would be really interesting to hear your thoughts on recommendations that you have for job seekers at various levels. So we have, you know, folks that are just out of college people with some experience, and then, of course, you have management and upper management. Uh, what recommendations do you have for, uh, for those individuals? Sure. So if something, you know, isn't going so great and you are in more of that active search mo mode or the company has layoffs, um, definitely a good opportunity to work with a recruiter, be in a direct relationship there. Um, 
outside of applying online directly to the company where that can be successful, but a lot of times uh, it's tough to get your information in front of the people that are really making those decisions. So we have those direct connections can put you in touch with not only HR, but the technical decision maker as well. So regardless of your level of experience, I recommend having a baseline idea of what is important to you in a new opportunity and truly being able to articulate that, whether that's to a recruiter or even to the employer. For example, what do you seek in company culture? Do you prefer a small company or a large organization? What are your priorities? Because the interview process is very much a learning experience and a lot of those aspects are likely to change, but if you can start to identify the most important pieces initially, it'll be that much simpler to evaluate moving forward. That's really good advice because I do think, I feel like people when they are, well, I mean, when you're first out of college, you may not know exactly what you want and and, and what kind of culture you like and and all these different things until you get to experience some and then then it becomes clearer. But I think the feeling is sometimes when you don't have a job and you're looking for a job, you don't really think through what you want to see. You're sort of being more passive and letting sort of the, the job opportunities come to you and, and you're sort of evaluating based on that versus being more proactive and, and thinking about what do you really want and going after the jobs that really fit you and where you think you might be happy for a long time. And I think that's a really valuable piece of advice to really think that through before you kind of start jumping at at job opportunities because the goal, obviously, is that you want to be somewhere and stay somewhere and be happy um, versus, you know, sort of always moving around. So um, so I think that, that that's really interesting. The other thing I wanted to ask you is on the other side of the coin, the companies. So what drives companies to utilize external search firms? And I think that can kind of help people who are are looking to um, get jobs through search firms to understand what the motivation of the companies are. Definitely. And by no means are we going to have access to every position at a given time at every company. It it depends on what the needs are, what some of those priorities are, and, and the budgets, of course, too. Clients turn to us when there's a highly specialized need, a limited time frame to find that person. Maybe they need a confidential replacement or internal HR doesn't necessarily have the resources or if other more generalized recruiters haven't had success in identifying the right hire too. Um, So we work with companies ranging from venture capital-backed startups with five employees to mid-sized organizations, a, a couple of hundred people, um, and some of the much larger multinational pharma companies like BMS, Merck, Amgen, just to name a few. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's helpful to to understand when do they uh, look for additional help. Where in the U.S. are you seeing the most activity with respect to biotech jobs? I think this is a really interesting question. I think we see a lot about the hubs. And I, I'm curious if if what you see in terms of the hubs and then also any kind of emerging mini, mini hubs, so to speak. There's, of course, a, a lot of continued growth in those biotech hubs consistently, like Boston, San Francisco. Some of that is related to the investments of VC firms 
We're also seeing some newer partnerships crop up and develop between different academic centers and organizations, which is driving a lot more activity in cities like Houston, Philadelphia, Seattle. Um, Those are areas where there's been some concentration historically of biotech and pharma, but definitely seen increased activity over the years. Um, And then, of course, there's some scattered opportunities across the Midwest and, and elsewhere on the coasts as well. Well, that's really interesting. And then I guess I would just finish by asking you, uh, do you have any other kinds of, uh, you know, bits of advice or wisdom that you like to share with people in this industry about um, job seeking or about the biotechnology uh, field in terms of of positions? I would say uh, just keep an open mind. If if someone uh, reaches out to you and if you're not actively looking, uh, depending on how busy you are and if you're open to having a conversation, it could be worthwhile down the line. Also, referrals, it, that's great. Even if someone else you know and have worked with in the past you think highly of, even if they're not actively looking either, um, doesn't hurt to throw out a name. We can always reach out confidentially, um, and it could come back around to help you out one day too. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been very interesting. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To learn more about this and other stem cell and biomanufacturing related topics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com or for downstream biomanufacturing topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.